2 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. Amen. I want to talk about uh, the fruit of love uh, in the Christian life. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 It's probably one of the simplest descriptions of God in the Bible. It simply says, boys and girls, God is love. God is love. We are told also in the New Testament that the one who abides in love abides in God. God abides in him. Love is therefore one of the simplest descriptions of Christian character. Now, John MacArthur has said, it is easier to be orthodox than to be loving. It is easier to be orthodox than to be loving. And I think those of us in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church need to remember that. The enemy seeks to keep us from being loving. Love is, as 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, more important than gifts. And it is not to be diminished. R.C. Sproul, commenting on 1 Corinthians 13, says that this chapter should not be viewed sentimentally. It often is. It's often read kind of as a sentimental uh, poem about love at weddings. But really, it's a very convicting chapter about how difficult it is uh, to love. Love requires the grace and the mercy of God, the Spirit of God. Now, the Greek terms for love, many of you already know. There's agape, there's eros, and there's philia. Agape is the rarest of words in the ancient Greek literature, but it's actually one of the most common in the New Testament, interestingly enough. And that, of course, is the deepest love, the love of God for us, and un. Uh, It is a love that uh, is immeasurable. It is greater than eros or philia. Eros, of course, is romantic love, which is not found in the New Testament Greek. And then there is philia, which is brotherly love. Now, the culture likes to throw love around. You see this on Facebook all the time. I love you so much. But what uh, one commentator said is that often, really, uh, the culture will say, I love you, But what they really are saying is, I love me, and I want you. Um, Love is self-giving, is more concerned with giving than receiving. Jonathan Edwards wrote a whole book on love, Charity and Its Fruits. You have to understand, back in Edwards' day, the word charity uh, did not simply mean helping the poor, but it meant love. Love, says Edwards, is the sum of all saving grace. Such love, however, is alien to us as sinners who fallen in Adam. This kind of love of which the Bible speaks uh, requires the work of the Holy Spirit. It requires a work of grace in the work of regeneration in your life, if you are to love truly as God himself is love, it will require the Spirit working within you. Love is also an act of the will. In Matthew chapter 5, 
verses 44 and 45, Jesus says, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Notice here that love is a command by Jesus, even loving our enemies. Jesus says, what profit is it if we love those who love us? But loving those who do not love us, we show ourselves to be like God himself. Notice that he says here that we are to pray for those who persecute us, that we would be sons of the Father. Romans chapter 5, verse 10, we are told God so loved us, <coughs> excuse me, while we were enemies. This is the love of God for us in Christ, that God so loved us while we were enemies. We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. How much more should we love those who are our enemies? If we uh, had sinned against God with an infinite sin, because not that our sin is infinite, but God is infinite, and therefore we sin against an infinite being. But if that yet still uh, did not keep God from loving us, how much more should we love the finite uh, sins uh, or love the people who sin finitely against us. John chapter 13, verse 1, Jesus loved his own, we are told, who were in the world. He loved them, John says, to the end. Jesus showed his love for his disciples in the upper room when he washed uh, their feet. If you look at other passages, uh, for example, John chapter 13 and verses 34 and 35, John chapter 13, <clears throat> verse 34. The, the crowd then answered him. Excuse me, that's John 12. <laughs> the, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John chapter 15, in verse 9, Just as the Father has loved me, Jesus says, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. In Romans chapter 13, verses 8 and 9, we are told that love is the fulfillment of the law of God. All of God's commandments can be summed up in loving God and loving our neighbor. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, we are told to pursue love. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, we are told to put on love. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. And also in Philippians 1, 9, we are told in those two places to increase and abound in love. 2 Corinthians 8, 8, we are told to be sincere in love. Philippians 2, 2, we are told to be unified in love. 1 Peter 4, 8, which we saw several weeks ago, we are to be fervent in love. And then Hebrews 10, 24, stimulate one another to love. So love, uh, says one commentator, uh, is commanded. Love is already possessed by Christians Love is the norm of Christian living. Love is the work of the Spirit. Love must be practiced uh, in order to be genuine. And we see from Paul, as well as Peter, that Christian love 
is superior to even the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul tells us that if anyone, and of course he was someone who had many spiritual gifts, but he says that if he or anyone speaks in a miraculous tongue, and this of course was written in the age of miracles when they were widely distributed to the church according to the fulfillment of Joel. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. You know the prophecy. It's where Joel says, It'll come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on mankind. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Uh, that is, they, they'll preach under the inspiration of the Spirit. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And uh, we see that the New Testament church indeed, Acts chapter 2, Peter tells us this was fulfilled with Pentecost. The Spirit came and poured himself out. And we see, for example, in the church of Corinth that this church had gifts of the Spirit in abundance. Many different people had the gifts. Uh, you can look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10, for the list of the gifts. Um, Moses even said he wished that all men would prophesy. In Numbers chapter 11, remember when Eldad and Medad, remember those two? Eldad and Medad were in the camp. Moses said, you know, we're having a session meeting and two elders decided they're not coming. And uh, the spirit was given. And, uh, but Eldad and Medad even got the spirit. And Joshua tried to restrain them. And Moses said, no, don't restrain them. Uh, you know, I wish everybody prophesied. Well, Moses got his wish, in a sense, in Acts chapter 2. And, uh, and people began to be able to speak infallibly in the church by the Spirit. They had the gift of, the, of knowledge, which Jonathan Edwards defined as to see the deep things of God by immediate inspiration. Now, I say all this because as tremendous as all of these gifts are, and the ability to speak in tongues, of men and of angels, which may have simply been a poetic way of saying that men could speak in any language that they had never studied. And yet, we are told if they do not have love, even if all these gifts come upon one church or one person, that person or that church without love is a noisy percussion instrument, a gong, we are told by Paul, a clanging Symbol in the hands of a toddler. Uh, extremely annoying. The extraordinary and miraculous gifts of the Spirit were great blessings. But what Paul is saying is without love, all these gifts are a source of irritation. We probably, those of you who like sports and follow sports, you probably can think of an athlete who is a tremendous individual athlete, and yet he is the source of great irritation to his team. Uh, despite his great talent, he is a distraction because he's not much of a team player or he's a, a drama queen or something like that. I won't name names, but, <laughs> but he's, he becomes this noisy gong for the team, and the team doesn't really tend to rise up to their full potential and, and winning a championship often, despite the, the great talent on the team. And such also is the church or Christian um, without love. The gifts of the Spirit are not 
of saving nature. But saving faith will always have love. You have to understand. There are people who had gifts of the Spirit but were unsaved. But there is no one who truly has Christian love that is unsaved. All saving faith will produce love. But not every evidence of giftedness is evidence of salvation. So, for example, in Numbers chapter 22, we see Balaam had gifts from the Spirit. He received revelation from God. And yet Balaam uh, was not saved. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15 says, Forsaking the right way and having gone astray, he followed, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, loved the wages of unrighteousness. Balaam is condemned in Jude, verse 11. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. For they, uh, for, excuse me, for pay, they have rushed headlong into the error of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. So here's an example of somebody who had the gifts of the Spirit, but did not have love. He did not have saving faith. Judas, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus, we are told, summoned the twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Now, there is nothing in the gospel account that makes you think only 11 of the 12 got that gift. When Jesus said, one of you will betray me, it's not as though hands went up and said, oh, I know it's Judas because he didn't have the gift of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't able to cast out the demons like the rest of us. I knew it was him. Nobody knows. Because Judas was performing the same gifts as the rest of the apostles. Judas, we have to believe, was able to perform miracles. People did receive real blessings by the laying on the hands of Judas and the prayers of Judas. Saul was thought at one point to be among the prophets because the Spirit of God came upon him mightily and he prophesied. And yet, we know his tragic end. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 and 23, he said that there will be many who had extraordinary gifts, and they will say, Lord, Lord, on the last day. And yet, they were not saved. And they'll protest at their condemnation. They'll protest and they say, but we did this and we did that. We did these things in your name. And so we learn here that we are to beware of trusting in spiritual giftedness rather than Jesus Christ and abiding in his love. We are not to rest in our gifts, but we are to cultivate the grace of Jesus Christ, especially the grace of love. There are gifted men who are unconverted. And so we need to make sure as Um, Richard Baxter, in his book, The Reformed Pastor, says the first thing you must do as a Reformed pastor uh, is to make sure you are converted. Make sure that you are truly in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are gifted people in hell this evening. They did not have the grace of Jesus Christ within them. They privately or maybe even openly were lawless men. 
And so we are to be reminded that all our gifts from God are vain if there is not the fruit of love and holiness. We have to beware of trusting teachers who come in the name of Jesus but do not evidence the fruit of Jesus Christ. Recognize that the common operations of the Spirit of God in giftedness does not make the man necessarily holy. It is a mistake to think that a man is a holy man simply because he is a gifted man. He may be a great man of God because of great abilities, some say, but this is dangerous. Listen to Jonathan Edwards on this point. Edwards said, The spiritual image of God does not consist in having a power to work miracles or foretell future events, but it consists in being holy as God is holy. You know, one of the things I was reminded of last night from a colleague of mine, he's um, a regional home missionary for the mid-Atlantic states in our denomination, and he said, you know, the thing that my people need more than anything else is my own holiness. God is holy. In having a holy and divine principle in the heart, says Edwards, influencing us to holy and heavenly lives, the moral image and likeness of Christ does much more consist in having the same mind in us which was in Christ, in being of the same spirit that he was of, in being meek and lowly of heart, in having a spirit of Christian love and walking as Christ walked. This makes a man more like Christ than if he could ever work so many miracles, unquote. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that there are some who may may even make extraordinary sacrifices. Some might be extraordinarily gifted. Others might make extraordinary sacrifices. A man, Paul says, who gives all his worldly goods and his money to feed the poor, or a man who suffers martyrdom for the name of Christ and is bodily burned, and yet does not have love, it profits them nothing, Paul says. Now, giving to the poor within the church especially in times of persecution, was necessary and virtuous. In the book of Acts, we see the church suffered famine and persecution, and it was necessary for some people, like Barnabas, under these conditions to sell their property and give the proceeds to the church for the care of suffering Christians. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, none of them claimed that anything was belonging to him, that it was his own, but that all things were held in common due to the duress of the church. Paul suffered the loss of all things, he says. Uh, We trust that this also included his worldly possessions. In 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul speaks to them about the duty to give to the poor brothers and sisters. And yet Paul here tells us that as great as this duty is, without love, however, it's all in vain. Martyrdom, uh, boys and girls, is where, where you die for the Lord. Uh, tends to be an awful death, especially the being burned alive. This is, of course, an extraordinary kind of death. But even Paul would say, this, even this horrendous death is nothing without Christian love. Notice how this contrasts with Islam's view of martyrdom. How the Islamic religion will honor martyrdom uh, even for the purpose of killing infidels. And Paul says, no, 
if there is no love, it profits them nothing. Jonathan Edwards, again, to quote from Edwards in his book, Edwards says, all that men can do and all that men can suffer can never make up for the want of sincere love in the heart. Sincere Christian love. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. Although I myself have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, Paul said, I more. Paul had every reason he could put confidence in the flesh, and yet he said, I can't put confidence in the flesh. What is love? Well, love, we are told, again, if you look at Paul's definition, is patient, he says. What is patience? It is bearing pains, trials calmly, without complaint. Bearing the weaknesses of others, whether those weaknesses have references to sin or not. Manifesting forbearance under provocation or strain. It could be with respect to sin. Uh, You bear injuries from others with forbearance. Um, We are told not to be hasty or impetuous, not quick to judge or condemn, slow to speak. Developing a judicious temperament is love. Uh, A willingness to persevere, steadfast, despite opposition or difficulty or adversity, able and willing to bear some of the definitions uh, of patience that I found. Now, Edwards again says that patience could have reference to the bearing of injuries of others. Could also, however, include the bearing of weaknesses of others without any regard to sin. A husband or a wife caring for an ailing spouse might be an example of this. Love uh, is demonstrated in the one caring for the other who bodily is infirm. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, uh, listen to what Paul says here. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Notice how Paul's uh, fruit of the Spirit is so similar to Peter's list that we're studying here in 2 Peter chapter 1. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. Paul says, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness. And then he says, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. That is, we are to think deeply on the forgiveness that we have received from God. And out of that, uh, we extend love and forgiveness and patience uh, towards others. The patience that is enjoying the love that is patient and the patience that is best exhibited is in the love of God. And therefore, our duty is that we need to study God all the more. 
God has been patient with us. And so we ought to look at the love of God that we might learn patience ourselves. The Father, the Heavenly Father, has been patient with you. Christ has been patient with you. The Holy Spirit has been patient with you. Why? Because of his great love for you. The Father has been patient with you. Some of you were slow to come to faith in God. You lived many years in sin. You were ignorant for many years, even though God gave you food and sunshine, rain, stars, sun, moon, oceans, mountains, family, music, books, architecture, industry, cars, houses. I could go on. And yet, this was not sufficient for you to believe. Even though God gave you all these things, even though he put it within your heart that you knew there must be a creator. And yet for a great season, some of you ignored God and suppressed the truth of of God in unrighteousness. Think of the love of God in his patience towards his creatures who daily ignore general revelation all around them. They make idols for themselves, and yet God is patient with them. He lets them live another day. He gives them food, puts it on their table, blesses them with vacations and families and jobs and all kinds of good things. And yet his love is um, refused by those that he blesses. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, <clears throat> The Lord is not slow about his promise. To, and this is speaking about his promise to return. Um, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. We see that even the delay of the second coming of Christ is a sign of God's love. It's a sign of God's love so that people would turn from their sins and believe and be saved. If, if Jesus comes tomorrow, how many of us know of family and friends who will be lost because this night they are not in Jesus Christ. And so the delay of Jesus Christ is is the love of God, that today is still the day of salvation. We have not entered into eternity and judgment yet. Some of you even knew the gospel, and yet you were slow to receive it and repent. How patient was God? God was not only patient with you, in terms of common grace, <coughs> excuse me, but also with special grace. Some of you have been raised in the church. You went to Sunday school, but you continued in sin. You sinned not only against general revelation out there in the creation, in ignorance, like pagans, they sin in ignorance, but you sinned against the knowledge of the truth. You sinned against the gospel. You sinned against the knowledge of the Bible. You sinned against knowing historical accounts like the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah, the flood, the drowning of Pharaoh in the Red Sea, and yet you were gospel proof against all of this revelation. You were gospel proof against the cross of Christ and against the reality of the resurrection of Jesus against the ascension of Christ into heaven and the session of Christ on the throne and against his intercessory ministry and against his promise to hear prayers and his promise to return. I think how patient God has been 
with those who have been so slow to receive Jesus Christ despite all the knowledge that Christ has given them about himself. And Christ has been patient with us individually. How many times has Jesus called you to faith in him? How many times have you heard his word, Come unto me, all ye who are weary and refused for a season to come to Christ. Think of the patience of Christ with respect to his lordship in your life. How many times have you disappointed yourself and disappointed Jesus by returning to the same sins again and again? The anger, the lust, the adultery, the murder, the gossip, the theft, the Sabbath breaking, the idolatry, the dishonoring of parents, the unforgiving spirit, and the Lord has been patient with you through it all. You have not been consumed by the anger of the Lord. The Lord could have made you like Ananias and Sapphira, and he could have killed you right here in church. We'd have the deacons go out and bury you. Uh, You could have died like Nadab and Abihu, offering strange fire before the altar. You could have been like Korah, and his household got swallowed up by the earth for rebelling against God. But God didn't deal with you like that. He could have put you to death like Achan and stoned by the old covenant community for having forbidden things in your house. But Jesus has been patient with you. Christ has been willing to restore you like Peter. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me? God has been patient with you in your youth. He did not remember the sins of your youth against you. He was patient with you in your teenage years. He did not hold your rebellion against you. He waited for you as a father waits for the prodigal to come home. He was patient with you when you were impatient with your parents. He was patient with you in your early adulthood when you were so intemperate in your youth with your young spouse and children. The Holy Spirit has been patient with you. The Father has been patient with you. Christ has been patient with you. The Holy Spirit has been patient with you. How many times have you grieved the Holy Spirit? Think of the times He prompted you. He warned you. He leaned on your conscience and you ignored the Holy Spirit. Think of the number of times that He desired to speak with us through a sermon or the reading of the Word, but we were not focusing. We were daydreaming letting our mind wander, not setting our hearts right. How many times did you not prepare yourself properly to worship God? How many times uh, did you get less than you could have from the Lord's table because you didn't reflect on the bread and the cup of Jesus' body and blood and the significance of the communion meal? God in each of His persons has been patient towards you because He loves you. The love of God in the patience of of God towards you. Consider the patience of Jesus Christ with sinners in his earthly ministry. How many times was Jesus abused? How many times was Jesus mocked, scorned, ridiculed? How many times was Jesus accused actually of evil? There were people who, especially the religious elite, who were saying that Jesus was performing miracles by the power of Satan. Jesus is the eternal Son of God and became a man and He lived without sin, patiently among sinners, even though they weren't acknowledging Him as Savior or Lord or Creator. 
He endured the misunderstandings of men, even his own family at times, tested his patience. His parents did not realize fully his divine mission as the Son of God. They didn't, they didn't think till last to look at the temple as to where he might be. How could you not have gone to the temple knowing who he was? Later, they thought to take him away from the crowds in his public ministry. They thought he had lost his mind. He bore that patiently. He bore the criticism of men patiently. Even though he did only good to men, men condemned him because he healed on the Sabbath day. They accused him of evil. Jesus patiently bore the attempts to kill him before his time. His own people tried to throw him off the cliff. And Jesus had to miraculously escape through the crowd. Jesus patiently bore the false accusations of men. He was accused of doing evil and working in cahoots with the devil. We are called to love. And love is expressed in many ways, but certainly patience has to be one of them. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 9. Masters, give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives, in an understanding way, in a patient way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. And so we see here, um, I think when, when we study this um, in depth, we, we are not to have a sentimental view of love. Um, when you have a biblical understanding of love, it drives you to him who is love. It drives you to the only place you can go to receive the forgiveness for not being loving, but then also to get the grace you need to fulfill the law of love. You don't have it. I don't have it within ourselves. We have to go out to Christ. Jesus was crucified outside the walls of Jerusalem. And the author of Hebrews tells us that there we too must go out to him, to that place of love, Golgotha, where the Son of God hung on a cross as the pinnacle of God's expressed love for sinners. In Jesus' name, amen.